0: yo what's up everybody and welcome to the pitcher bet sports podcast i am your host matt guest with me out in las vegas not being a richard tonight is matt morris what's up buddy what is that hat that you're wearing actually i really like it
1: it is the alabama um trash pandas oh it's trash
0: pandas again
1: yeah it's trash pandas again i've got two of them one is uh one is a little more like trucker hat that I will I will wear to the gym, and then this one this is probably the one I was wearing last time. I wear this one as my like go to cap now. It's the team I'm representing in all like 47 of my dynasty leagues that I've joined this offseason. <laughs> pretty-
0: I love that. I mean, what is what is the likelihood that the the lid collection, the purchasing moving forward, turns into not just a trash pandas, but more of a minor league ball club collection because there are some cool minor league teams out there like is is that a possibility oh unequivocally. are you just all in on the trash pandas
1: no no unequivocally because the only major league teams i'll buy now is if i visit a stadium um okay but i've loved the look of the minor league teams and i think from a perspective of when you're like wearing it out I've had people be like, hey, what is that? That's really cool. And it's like, oh, it's a minor league baseball team. They're like, oh, that's sick. And it's like, wearing my Yankees hat or my Padres hat or my Orioles hat or my Brewer's hat. Like, how many more do I need to list off? And people are like, oh, it's a hat. Like, no comments are made. Not that I want the attention, but like people find it cool and I find it cool. And that connection's cool, right? To make this very simple. Very so um, cool. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I bought a I bought a like a a back of the door hat hanger. You know, like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, fucking thing fell off like first night, so I had to like yep. get the nails out and hammer it to the wall. And I had to like actually go through some of my hats and all of my like actually valued hats that I have fill it up. And I was left with like you know, seven to ten shitty hats. And I was like, all right, well, uh, I gotta get another one if I go ma- minor league ball. But the next hat I think I buy is the Space Cowboys. For those listening, nice. if you want to check out the Space Cowboys, it's sick.
0: I like that. Yeah, no, that's cool. I think that'd be a pretty fun little thing for you, especially since you actually pay attention to minor league baseball. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily watch it, but at least uh, follow via Twitter and your uh, dynasty fantasy stuff. That's a little over my head, but that's cool, man. I, I have the same issue with my hat collection because I have ones that I really like and some that I don't even wear. Yeah, pretty much like the Milwaukee Bucks championship one. Like I have it. I think I wore it twice after they won the title when i got back from milwaukee after going to the game and it's just it's actually literally collecting dust you know and i have a couple like those but transporting them after moving four times like i don't know and and it's not none of them are signed so then it gets to the point where like you kind of look like an asshole if you have them like encapsulated you know what i mean or in some yeah. type of like protective barrier when it's not signed like for the listeners, you can't really see, but if you guys follow us online, like you can see Matt has his jerseys in the background and stuff. Like that's cool. That's worth it. There's signatures on there, right? It's not just an Aaron Rodgers jersey just sitting up there framed, you know? Whereas, like, I always wanted to do that with like my Bucks hat, but that's kind of fucking, it's kind of lame. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see it two ways, though. Like, I don't, you know, you look around
1: at my jerseys, what do I have? 10, 12 of them now. Um, all of them yeah. are signed. I've done a really hard or really, I've done a really good job curating like signed photos at special moments and blah, 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 But like, I don't know that there's a single one outside of the Rogers one that has like actually emotional significance to me. And the Rogers one is just because of what I've sourced for the photos. Now the bucks hat for you, like when you're dead, Austin's going to have that hat, you know, like that's real that you're going to have that conversation and you're gonna be like, you know, dad was there and like, you know, I saw it and like, that was one of the greatest moments of my fandom in my life for, for being a fan. And like that hat will be appreciated. So I think from that perspective, it's almost more so uh, necessary to protect it. But I get what you're saying because I see people online with, you know, their janky jerseys that aren't signed in their own, like, you know, hobby boxes. And I'm like, you're a joke. Um, Why (laughs) did you even do that? But I also get that there may be an emotional significance that I don't understand, you know? Yeah, 100%. That's to each each our own. It's just, just... don't make it look like shit. That's all I
0: ask. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. It's pretty simple, you know? Yeah. And hang them up on your wall now. Tuck it uh, in,
1: god damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, we got a loaded pod today. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. It's pretty much all football today. No, no baseball. It's still too early in the NBA season, you know. Shout out Lillard. Like I said, shout out shout out the Clippers, kind of vibing what they're doing, you know. There's a lot of basketball left. Hey, but hey, the Lakers did hang a banner for their in-season tournament championship, though. So, hey, shout out, shout out to LeBron. No, I don't Anyways, know how I feel about this. Uh, yeah. Th- see, this is this is a topic for another time. It, it, long story short, I don't think it matters either way. Yeah. Care about it? Don't care about it? You can take it down. <laughs> you put it up. You take it down. It's whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, but we're going to talk about a few things today. Uh, we're going to cover Brandon Staley getting fired, uh, Matt's crowning moment for the LA chargers, uh, talk about not necessarily cam Newton's comments, but the game managers in the NFL. We had some pretty fun stuff that we prepped, uh, check in on our running backs and then get into some of the games for week 16. The regular season is three weeks away from being over our IP to the NFL season. So let's start with the big news. Staley gets fired Friday morning, not Thursday night. I thought they were going to leave him in Vegas, to be honest with you, at halftime. Um, but they end up losing to the Raiders 63-21, to less than a week after the Raiders literally got shut out by the Minnesota Vikings at home with a worse team, worse defense, worse offense, worse quarterback. Yeah, maybe. But pretty much just wrote the obituary. For Brandon Staley he's gone in the coveted job of coaching Justin Herbert is now available for the Chargers what's next for them what do they need to do and how happy were you to see it finally happen
1: yeah man I mean it's at this point it was just embarrassing uh right and I didn't take as much pride in it as I think I would have had he been fired a year earlier or a year before that when he really should have been fired. It was a bad hire. And I think pretty early on we could see that. And you look around the league, there are also other bad hires, but usually the the tender doesn't last as long when you know equivocally this was not right. I mean, look at the Raiders. Gone, right? McDaniels, gone. Like, we made a mistake. We signed this big deal. We're going to own up to it. We're going to move on. Like, we're going to wash our hands of this. And the the chargers just chose not to do that. They chose to continue to give him the opportunity. And, you know, I understand that's an ownership, right? and, And that falls in line with the GM, but now the GM and the coach are gone. So I think this organization can heal. This organization can, can really start to ask itself who's next. And they've swung and missed twice. Now, I think this is absolutely the moment. And this is where Justin Herbert's career hangs in the balance of two very separate roads. They bring in Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick, and they give him a committed leader who has experienced coaching in the league and Jim Harbaugh, or you bring in the greatest coach of our generation who has six rings with Tom Brady. I think either way, he's put in the best position with the best leadership option around him. I would prefer Harbaugh because Harbaugh is more known for his offensive ability, catering to quarterbacks, but Belichick had Brady. So there is that legacy. If they choose to go route three, which is another coordinator off the street to call up the Lions, take their OC, bring them in, maybe it works, or maybe you get another Brandon Staley. I'm inclined to think at this point in time, they have to go big ticket. And if they don't, I'll be highly disappointed.
0: Yeah. I mean, it totally feels like the next 10 years of the franchise hangs in the balance of this decision. I know they could fire a coach in a year, two years, three years, right? It happens all the time, but you're spot on. Like This next decision is going to either propel or flatline Justin Herbert's growth and development, right? He cannot continue to go through all these changes at offensive coordinator, at head coach, year after year after year. And this is a massive decision for the LA Chargers here. And I agree with you. I think they should do everything in their power to bring in one of those two guys that you had mentioned before, because not just for Justin Herbert, but for the franchise, they could slip out of relevancy completely in Los Angeles if they cannot find the right coach or make one playoff run in L.A. while they have Herbert in his prime right now. And if they can't do that, if they screw this up, it's going to be really, really bad for ownership, for the fans, most importantly, which would suck, and the team in general. Is this showing to be a massive mistake, them moving over to L.A. and not being able to produce anything positive whatsoever? Um, this, This is a massive decision. They, in my opinion are on the hot seat as an organization as an ownership group. This is a must-win decision here. They need to make the right hire. They have a win now roster, a lot of money on the books on the offense and defensive side. And if they cannot find the right person, the Chargers, you know, they're they're in for a world of hurt.
1: Yeah. And I think why for me hardball is the right decision is I don't think hardball will demand to have GM privilege. And Mm -hmm. I think anywhere Belichick goes, it is a start and end conversation with, do I have full executive authority? And rightfully so. Like I understand that his GM track record is pretty bad. Spotty. I get get it. Um, But you've won six rings in 20 years, whatever you want. You know, this is, this is a type of person that you, you don't say no to if you bring him into the room. Now, Harbaugh on the other side of this has coaching, 19 20 21 year olds right now so we've seen him be able to coach professional um nfl veterans we've seen him coach at the high college ranks so this is a guy that i want to bring in with a wide variety of ages on this roster from you know a mid-20s justin herbert to end of the road end of the uh, career khalil mack who is having a great season um you know i think he's the perfect fit but you got to spend if you're going to bring Harbaugh in. You got to get the, the book out. It's got to be ten to fifteen million off that's off the top because that's what Michigan will pay him. So I also like the um the re engagement of him in California. You know, coming from um, Stanford then going to San Francisco, like he'll be obviously a little bit south, but I think the fit would be good as well.
0: Yeah, and you know he did. I think he started moving up the college ranks at the University of San Diego back in the day. Mm. Could be wrong. Fact check me there, but. Yeah, Harbaugh would be good. Uh, I think Belichick's more realistic. I think it'd be a mistake for Harbaugh to leave. Michigan has a pretty, pretty cush over there, as the kids say, right? But, um, you know, they win the national title this year. Maybe he completes his goal that he's always wanted to have coming back to his alma mater, Ann Arbor, where he grew up um, and go coach Justin Herbert and maybe win a Super Bowl. But yeah, man, obviously not a surprise that Staley went out. But This is it for them, man. This is they've every single year that they've been in L.A. It's been an absolute travesty. It's been a mess. Last year, they finally had some promise and blew that playoff game. And ever since then, it's been an absolute downhill spiral for the Chargers. Um, Went to a Chargers game for the first time. What was that, like three, four weeks ago? Loved the environment, loved the fans. I have nothing but nothing but love for Chargers people. I wish they stayed in San Diego. That's a different, you know conversation for another time but this is it you know and we are justin herbert fans we're not oh he's top three or anything like that but i don't think you or i necessarily have a bad thing to say about him at this point in time and you would just hate to see a career wasted due to a guy being frankly on in a bad franchise so um we'll see what they do i i I like harbaugh as well but i think belichick Belichick, it feels like the Sean Payton hire a little bit for Denver. Yeah, foregone. He's just kind of waiting. Okay, he has a good opportunity. They're going to pay him an arm and a leg to go there. Um, Maybe maybe Belichick hangs it up, though. Who knows? Moving on. Um, I, I don't have the full quote here for the listeners, but we basically wanted to talk a little bit about Cam Newton's comments on game manager, but more or less just the conversation of how many quarterbacks in this league are game managers? How many are elites? You know what a game manager is, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we were doing some prep on this. The three big names in Cam Newton's quotes in his take from his podcast was that he had Purdy to and Dak Prescott as game managers, not difference makers, game changers. Right. Um, anyone who was saying in the comments, by the way, that Cam Newton wasn't a game changer or a difference maker, just saw him at the twilight of his career when he was playing with the Patriots, like Cam Newton in his prime was the definition of a difference maker. Um, But I have a little bit of a hot take when it comes to this. And I don't even know if it's a hot take. My, my, my perception on the game manager is actually that there's only two guys in the league that are actually difference maker playmakers guys at the quarterback position that their team actually depends on them making plays rather than them playing in the system. And those two guys are obviously Patrick Mahomes one and the other guy is Lamar Jackson. I think those two guys specifically are relied every single week to make plays outside of the overall game plan to affect wins and losses, whereas other quarterbacks, Purdy, Tua, Dak, even Joe Burrow, are more or less executing a system at a very, very high level and not losing games more than they're going out and making plays, whether it's with their legs, scrambling, moving out of the pocket. Matt, I know you don't necessarily agree with me.
1: Well, it's interesting. I actually am going to walk back our pre-recording comments here, which was, I think Josh Allen enters this equation. But if I were to say that Josh Allen enters this equation, I would have to say that Aaron Rodgers enters this equation, hurt or not hurt, he's still playing in the NFL. And yeah, I think there's two or three, di- three different buckets here. There's game manager. There is, you know, system quarterback within that game manager. There is the guys like Lamar and Patrick Mahomes who we see every single week, willing their team to victory by their ability. And then there, there's the guys right in the middle. The Josh Allens, who on a given week can win his team a game, on a given week he can lose his team a game. On a given week, he doesn't have to really do anything because you know, James Cook goes out there and runs for 150 yards. And I think Rodgers falls right into that because we, see, we have seen Rodgers through the years win football games. We also saw 100%. in his final year where we really looked around and said, I think Jordan could do this. And what is Jordan doing? Basically replicating last year that Aaron gave us. This isn't a good roster. It's a young roster. You know, coaching is still really working on itself and defining itself. So Rodgers probably is no longer that difference maker. Now, fast forward to 2024 and Rodgers is out here making plays to Garrett Wilson and making Alan Lazard worth his contract. We may (laughs) have a different conversation, but right now, I think there are three buckets. The guy's right in the middle, the Allens, the Rodgers. And you have the far left, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and then you do have the Purdies, the Prescott's, the Tua's, right? What did we just say a few weeks ago about Tua? I would give the MVP to Tyreek Hill before I give it to Tua. Well, right. that must mean that Tua is managing the game. And I'm okay with that. I would love nothing more than Jordan Love as a Packer fan to turn into a game manager because I then know the system is in place for success. What is our big takeaway for Mahomes this year? oh my God, he doesn't have any help. Well, that's a problem, right? He is having to will his team to victory. And again, back to the narrative we have painted, you asked for it, buddy. You took the money. (laughs) You took the money.
0: Well, that's what's ironic about him and Lamar, right, Matt? Is they're both working with not a ton of help. Now, Lamar's got more than Mahomes, 100%. Like, Mahomes would take Zay Flowers. He would take Odell Beckham Jr. Shit, he would take Isaiah Likely even right not over kelsey but i think that's um, likely yeah (laughs) um but both of them took took the contract in the off season um and what's interesting like about your tua thing and i think this is the like where brock purdy comes into the conversation here right for the mvp i think he's the betting favorite right now um i don't necessarily think he doesn't deserve it i you know, I, I'd, I'd still if we're going to give it to him, I'd, I'd probably give it to Tyreek or even, you know, the, the narratives coming out a little bit more about Christian McCaffrey. But what makes him great, what puts him in that third bucket that you're kind of creating right there in your hypothetical scenario is that he's making the best decisions out of. Everyone that we've talked about, outside of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, to me, you watch a Niners game and you hear all the stuff on Twitter, even on the broadcast, sometimes that, oh, what a design by Shanahan or Debo did this or Ayuk was here or there. Purdy isn't making a bad decision in these. He's games. executing, yeah, and th- and that's something you have to take into consideration and give credit for because there's a lot of really good quarterbacks not executing. We didn't even mention in this conversation yet, Jalen Hurts, Monday night, crucial third down play, decides to throw to A.J. Brown in double coverage when he had Devontae Smith wide open, running underneath for a quick, easy four or five yard pass. Devontae probably runs for, let's just say 12 yards, gets the first down, right? And we move on. Those are the little things Brock Purdy is doing. And then his playmakers of Debo, Samuel, Kittle, you know, the list goes on in San Francisco are doing a little bit extra and making these plays, right? But not every quarterback is executing and making the right decisions every single time they touch the ball. And that's something Purdy's doing. And that's why they're winning so many games. You know, that's something Jimmy G wasn't doing, man. It's something guys like these middle of the road quarterbacks, the Derek Carrs of the world, don't do at a consistent level, right? And and I think that's that's to his credit. And same with Tua, man. Tua is not making many bad decisions, and there's a reason that they're winning all these games. Even this last weekend in Buffalo, I didn't think Dak played that bad. The Cowboys in general just got their ass beat, and that that happens sometimes. on the flip side to where I started with this is I I do think Hertz is playing bad football right now and making bad decisions, and he's obviously turning the ball over, which doesn't help.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the other side of this is interesting. When you think about Dak Prescott, what if we really kind of thrown him up against the wall for over the last three or four years was, well, he's not the franchise quarterback. He's not enough. He's not good enough to get the job done. So what has he done this year? He's executing his system. Yes, a new system, a system that Mm -hmm. we think is more beneficial and catered to him, but he's executing the system. And he is, from a week-to-week basis, being praised, right? This past week, not praised because they got beat down. Well, okay. I would, as a head coach, much rather have a quarterback that follows the system, that gives me consistency, that has ups, has downs, but for the most part, they're not out there running around trying to make a play to save the game because we've seen that with Brett Favre, we've seen that with Patrick Mahomes, we've seen that with Aaron Rodgers. All of those names don't have seven Super Bowls. Tom Brady does. Tom Brady followed a system. He always made the right decision, even when it didn't look like it was the right decision and he's down by 21 points in the Super Bowl and he's checking down on third down, he always made the right play. And I'm trying to think back to Brady's first MVP. And I I can't. At 31 years old, I I don't remember his first MVP. But I would be inclined to think that it probably wasn't a sexy choice. And I'm really intrigued to see if Purdy wins this. If we look back in 10 years and say, you know, well, now Purdy is a really elite level quarterback. We now view his decision making as elite. We view his presence and his leadership as elite. He's an elite quarterback quarterback destined for the hall of fame Well, his first mvp people were still wondering was he able to continue to start at the nfl or was he eventually going to crack not that i i feel that way anymore but i'm sure there are fans that still think he's a he's, fra- he's a fraud fraudulent you know um there's absolutely no grounds to that He has proven that now over a full year of data that this is exactly what he is and i think i've been saying this for a number of years this is the way to go Look at DeVito in New York. He's not purdy, but on any given week, he can look like a starting quarterback, and he's nothing. He, he, was, he cost them nothing where you have Mahomes $55 million a year. Now, I will take Mahomes, but point being is maybe you develop the system. Maybe you develop the, the roster construction, and then maybe you find the guy that can execute it at a discount.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the discount fines are what win you the Super Bowl and get you into that playoff contention. Right. Um and, and I think you make a really good point, bro, about our misconception in the future of what this season is for Brock Purdy because dude, even watching this Arizona game, yeah, Arizona's bad. Yeah, McCaffrey scored three times. The guy isn't messing up. He isn't doing anything to lose his team the game. To your point of Brady, like how many playoff games were we sitting there like, oh, there's Kevin Falk, right? Yep. There's James White. Oh, boy, there's yeah, another branch. rush. There's a there's a yeah, there's Dion. There's Wes Walker. There's Edelman. Oh, five yards, five yards, five yards. If you go pull, put on a Bengals game when Burrows out there, uh, five yard pass, seven yard pass. Oh, there's a 15 yarder to chase. Oh, five yard. Oh, dump off. Oh, one pet. You know, like they are methodically playing the game, which is why when you th- this word game manager, in which I thought like I actually respected Cam's like he kind of came out and made another statement afterwards. It's like a nine minute video. I think I got to like three and a half minutes. It's like it's not a disrespectful thing. And that got me thinking even more and why I wanted to talk about it today is I was like, shit, man, every good quarterback, is a game manager. Yep. Yeah. Right? Like there really there is no Lamar Jackson, dude. Like what Lamar's doing out there every Sunday is insane. Like they are asking him to go out there and be the best playmaker. He's the best football player on the field, right? Purdy's the best decision maker on the 49ers. He's got the best head on his shoulder. He obviously throws the best ball. But you plug Jimmy G into the Niners, they're not as good as they are. He's throwing picks. He's missing the deep balls. He's, insert, screwing things up, right? Um, Well, you think, think, uh,
1: like if you look at the tiers of the greatest quarterbacks of our generation, of our life, you've got the Manning, you've got the Brady, and I would put Rodgers into that equation as well. Um, Sure. You know how I'm not putting in that equation. Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Dan Marino. Now, Dan was before our time, but I've seen enough highlight to to know that he uh, was a gunslinger, right? And those names separate themselves But outside of one name, they all have the same amount of Super Bowls, except Manning actually has two. Um, They all got one, and Marino got zero. But none of them had gross success outside of Brady, who had seven. And Breeze had a little bit of a different nature because he was out there. And while, he yes, he was managing, he was also thrown for 5,000 yards. I mean, he was letting it rip. So is Favre, so is Marino. Rogers focused his entire career about uh, minimizing mistakes. Manning was the absolute epitome of executing a system methodically, right? If you talk about the absolute best methodical game manager who picked you apart, that was Peyton Manning. But then Brady probably managed the game with the tools he had better. Think about Manning; he had Marvin Harrison, he had Reggie Wayne, right? That's two Hall of Fame wide receivers. On top of then going to Denver and getting the best defense, one of the best defenses in the last 20 years. So you look at those names and it just showcases what is success, what is necessary to get there. And Mahomes, why he was so exciting was because he came out and he broke that model. He showed that you could play like Marino, you could could play like Brett Favre, but you could also limit your mistakes. Now, the question is, is that sustainable? I think the answer has always been no, but he has two, two Super Bowls. You know, if he ends with four, is that the reason the NFL changed to more of this gunslinger, athletic, wild quarterback that we're seeing the profile be now?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad that you said that we were, were kind of transitioning sort of into some of the up and coming quarterbacks in the league that are, are that way, right? We had him at the beginning of the year. He's injured now, but Anthony Richardson in the Colts, right? Like he was a wild card out there but he was amazing and his stats were great and he was making comebacks throwing for touchdowns had a couple picks had a f- couple fumbles you know obviously he was a rookie so it's a little bit different but I see that also um in Justin Fields you yep. know and you're seeing the growth from Justin Fields but you see the couple plays where you're like just throw it away man or slide or just don't do that you know and it gets to the point where he's trying to to play make a little bit more and getting outside of his system, which the system is whatever over there. But you you can't you can't necessarily control well, Matt, all of that. And it's just it's I interesting. think we're
1: forgetting about Trey Lance. Right, this was supposed to be the incumbent quarterback for the Niners. Didn't work out. He is everything that you just mentioned about it. Richardson and Fields, and he's he was all of the negatives. <laughs> yeah, and. They happen to have a seventh round pick, the last pick of the draft, be a system guy, a college pro, come in and nullify one of the biggest mistakes in NFL trade history. Yeah. That I think will be Purdy's legacy. If he can win one, two, three Super Bowls, the, the narrative will be how he saved, not only an organization, how he saved a GM's job, a head coach's job. Because if Purdy is not quarterback right now, it's Sam Darnold,
0: yeah, or it's Jimmy. Like the straight up, yeah. like they 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 let Jimmy rehab last year. Um, yeah, it ends up sucking. They don't get to the NFC ch- like they don't do any of this without him. Like Jimmy's still their quarterback. If he, I would assume. I don't know. Maybe maybe they would have brought Cousins. I don't. know. We can't really live well, in, in, in la la hypothetical land. But you're a hundred percent right. He's he's saving the. Le- If the Niners don't win the Super Bowl this year, it's an absolute disappointment. Like, that's where they're at. That's how good they are and how good he's playing. You know, we're not having that conversation if they don't luck into him and him and Shanahan having this great, you know, on field connection. Well, and Um, I would say
1: from the Cam Newton perspective, too, like, and this is no disrespect to Cam, but I hope that my favorite NFL team doesn't need a Cam Newton, that it doesn't need a Patrick Mahomes. Right, like the Chiefs fans are all excited that they have Patrick Mahomes, but look at the product this season. Like it only gets you so far, right? An aging Kelsey, no longer Tyreek Hill. Like there, you there are problems and they're in holes. They're barely beating the be Patriots. Fit. Yes, and when you look at the opposite, which is Brock Purdy, you have okay, you got a guy making less than a million dollars a year, less than eight hundred thousand dollars a year, if I'm correct. Look at all the superstars around him, <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: right? And Cam Newton was such an incredible player until he wasn't. And as soon as he stopped being the best athlete on the field, there was no need for him anymore, right? The, outside of a wildcat quarterback, like I think about his New England days, and it's it's sad to think that he put on that jersey because for me, it left a, a distinguished taste in a lot of younger fans' mouth that, oh, that's Cam Newton. It's like, no, Cam Newton was a Carolina Panther. He was an MVP that went up against one of the greatest defenses of all time in the Super Bowl, Get absolutely annihilated because you know what? You can't do it yourself. Yeah. Not in the super bowl, but he got them there himself. Almost
0: hundred. I mean, it was, no, hundred percent. It was because of him that they got there, that roster that, that that'll go back as like, you look at some of the rosters in the super bowl, that that's going to be that clav, that clav that Cleveland Cavalier team, LeBron yeah. took to the finals when they got smoked by San Antonio. Right. Like we're, we're going to look at that Carolina roster similar that way. Like, I think I'm, quite positive his number one receiver was Devin Funches and Ted Ginn Jr. Like yeah, respectfully, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, guys were fine NFL players, but not <laughs> the no Debo Samuel. Okay. Or even on the flip side, uh Demarius Thomas and uh who's the white boy? Uh Decker. Uh um, yeah. you know, and they had the tight end. Like I mean the well Broncos Decker might have
1: stacked. Decker might have still been on the Broncos.
0: The, well that's what I was saying. Like Decker, that's what I'm talking about. Like Demarius Thomas and Decker were oh yes receivers and Wes welker like the the it wasn't even a competition um but to just kind of drive in my opinion my point home here if you just look at the top of the standings for the afc specifically i could do the nfc but it's not as loaded it's Mm -hmm. like you've got the dolphins and the bills at the top of the east right I, you know, we can, we can say Josh Allen maybe isn't necessarily a game manager, but they win games when he does that. But that's to your point of the, the Brad Favre, that third bucket, that middle bucket of like, eh, they're a card, right? I'd throw Jalen Hurts in there too. And then you got the AFC West, which is the Chiefs. But then after that, you got the Broncos, right? Russell Wilson, system quarterback. Through and through has been yep. basically his entire career. The AFC North, this is a good case study, is Ravens. To my point, I think Lamar is not a manager whatsoever. Then you got the Browns and the Bengals right underneath them at nine and five, eight and six. The Bengals with a backup are proving that they have a good system with good weapons and a guy executing at a pretty high level. I think Kevin Browning is going to be a really, really hot topic for us in this offseason. And then lastly, the AFC South, Matt, we got the Jags, the Colts, the Texans, right? All three solid quarterbacks of the future, right? This is going to be where we see kind of this discussion take the next steps is going to be in this division, in my opinion, because we see a little bit of both from Stroud right now, right? He plays within himself, but he's shown the ability to play, make, take over the game, win the game on his with his arm, with his legs, with his mind, right? The Colts, Anthony Richardson talked about it a little bit earlier, but Trevor Lawrence isn't that guy. And right now, if all holds up, well, I guess all of them are 8 and 6, so maybe not if all holds up, but he's going to be at the top of the list for that division. At least we'll say to the end of this year. And him and Doug Peterson are more of a weapon than Trevor on his own. And I I don't know. I th- I think this is a really fun thing. I haven't really like I said, I didn't give it too much thought until this week before we were recording today, and it's like I think the word game manager describes a really really good NFL quarterback nowadays. And if you're not a game manager, what you are is bad
1: well and just to finish it um i would agree with you i think you have those three buckets and the the problem with being in the middle is you can win your team a game you can lose your team a game right like the problem with being the game manager is you by nature can't necessarily win your team a game per se and then the problem is if you are that playmaker that ability you get all of the criticism yeah, and your team loses all of it, right? It's, well, right now it's Patrick Mahomes' wide receivers, but when does it become Patrick Mahomes' fault, right? We've seen the narrative for Lamar Jackson; that he's just not enough. That you know the wide receivers, he, he's been he's been given weapons, and you know they're not doing anything well. As you said, you look at the league, and then you even look at some of the first overall picks. I think about Lawrence, particularly, and Andrew Luck, both game managers high level game manager and Andrew Luck, very high level. That's the that's the desired hope for Jaguar fans that Trevor Lawrence turns into. But so far, it's not looking like he was the same prototype as Andrew Luck, but it's okay. Um, young still as well. And I think, as you said, we need to see the evolution of some of these younger quarterbacks because we could be looking at in 10 years, the best quarterbacks in the league being guys like Brock Purdy yeah cj shroud kind of in the middle but like leaning towards the system because he's absolutely throwing missiles and guys are running routes perfectly it will be definitely interesting to see I, I just think it's it's really nice that Lamar's getting his opportunity and this dates back to an episode a few weeks ago but you might be right he has to capitalize he yeah. absolutely has to seize the moment
0: yeah this is it for him um We'll get to playoff talk when everything, the dust settles, right? But if they get the one seed, like, this is it. I I don't really know how else to describe it. But I want to move on. Uh, We we were just kind of like, as we were getting ready, we want to do a a check-in on the running backs. Um, It was the summertime, the end of summer, when all the running backs decided they weren't being, all the good running backs in the league were decided they weren't getting paid enough. Right. And rightfully what they deserved. And we're just kind of talking about it coming into here. And the big reason was because Derrick Henry had some comments at in his postgame presser and talking to the media in Tennessee, basically like, hey, um, I probably won't be here next year. It's a real bummer. I wanted to do my best to bring a title to Tennessee and so on and so forth. And it got us thinking like, oh, shoot. Well, what happened to Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley? Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, the list kind of went on, right? Najee Harris, guys that were looking to get paid and have any of them increase their value or their potential of a long-term, in quotes, fair deal, Matt?
1: No, I don't think they did. I think when you look at the stats that they put up this season, probably best case out of all of these is Saquon. Because you can't really evaluate. He's been moderately productive. You lose your starting quarterback. Almost everything has gone wrong in New York. So you still have to assume that he's probably on the same level he was coming into the year. Or at least you have, you can hope that. Now, what will that mean for a contract coming into the 2024 season? I don't know. I think you have to evaluate what we've seen so far from paying running backs, which is it does not work well. And Nick Chubb is unfortunately, I think, probably the case study for what could have gone the best, and you have the devastating injury. So Derrick Henry getting older, obviously. Um, Delvin Cook not looking good in New York. And Aaron Jones as well, who took a pay cut to stay in Green Bay. When you look in hindsight now, he probably should have left and taken the money while it was on the table. And I think now what especially guys like Derrick Henry have to think is The same thing that I'm sure Delvin Cook thought, which is it's time to ring chase. And for me, I wanted to see Derrick Henry in Baltimore, the team we just talked about. Because this is a team that is pretty solidified across the board. Defense is great. Offense finally has weapons. Offensive line is young and still affordable. This is the opportunity for the Ravens to finally have a running back. You don't have to lock into a long-term commitment because he is at the end of his career. And I can't imagine there'll be many teams willing to hand out money to an aging running back that is now more of a power back than a power speed back. The real question for me, though, is Saquon Barkley. Does he enter the market with the mentality that he's a $15 million a year player? I'm assuming he will. And that's just not the case. That is not the landscape of the current NFL. So his landing spot will be interesting. I'm expecting it to be right back in New York. Not on a discount, but $12, $13 million a year max.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely shown his value to the team, right? He's been the only constant this year outside of the, I think he was injured for like three or four weeks with a rolled ankle, which was something natural, like football injury, right? So I'm not going to chalk that one up to being a running back. We, we see that happen to every skill position player, you know? But other than that, he's been the only constant to the team. The only weapon that's actually won them game. So I think he's proven his value to that team specifically. I said it in the offseason that it was an absolute mistake to give Danny Jones the long-term deal and franchise Saquon. I thought that was an idiotic move by the Giants. You give Saquon the long-term deal, you franchise Danny Jones, and see if he can bring back one more good year after his good season last year taking the team to the playoffs. And what happened? Now they're in cap hell with Danny Jones. Not that he doesn't deserve the money because he does the Market the, the market, you know, but the market pays what the market pays, right? Like it is job. what it is. <laughs> okay. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I, I agree. It sucks because he he looked competent.
0: He looked good last, last year. year. Yeah, he
1: yeah he looked like a a system quarterback that like with improvement could could really lead a team to playoff victories.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like definitely, and most importantly for them specifically was compete with the Cowboys and the Eagles, right? Because that before we even talk playoff victories, like how do you stack up against the dogs in your division? Because Dallas is going to stay good. The Eagles going to stay good, right? It just kind of is what it is. And it was like, yeah, he can, he can win us a couple of games. Skunked. First game of the season at home. Uh-oh skunked again, losing to Arizona at halftime. And it's just like, here we go again. And why did they end up beating Arizona? Is because he got the ball to Saquon, right? And it's just, I don't know, it's just just incompetence. And if they don't franchise him, I think he should leave, honestly. Like, I think he can go find himself his San Francisco 49ers, right? Obviously, it's not going to be in San Francisco, but he can go find himself a contender to go play with, right? I think like a cool spot for him to land would be like the LA Rams. I have no idea if they'd be able to manage it cap wise and they have Kyron Williams, but obviously we could go down the list of some of these good teams, but go find yourself your Kyle Shanahan. Maybe it's green Bay, Matt. Like, you know what I mean? Like go find yourself your system where you don't have to be everything but you are the shiny, shiny toy that gets all the touchdowns and the wheel routes out of the backfield. Um, Just like McCaffrey did, because we, we, when we first started our podcast was when CMC kept getting hurt, you know, remember that in Carolina and we're like, fuck dude, like, can you ever take CMC again in fantasy? Because they're just, they're killing him in Carolina, right? Like, and he's such a great back that he's just going to take the punishment and do the job. And that's where you could see Saquon trending in New York. But, you see in the right system, the right amount of touches, the right scheme. Knock on wood, because I don't want him to get hurt. CMC is like he is night and day better than everyone right now. And it's mostly because of the product of the system that he's in. Obviously he's talented.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I agree with you. And CMC who was was the the back I was going to bring up because you look at Saquon and you look at Bijan Robinson. I think yeah. those are probably the two highest drafted running backs. Right after Zeke, if I'm correct, I might yeah. Be I'll keep thinking, keep, keep but,
0: talking. I mean, Henry was up there too, but yeah, keep talking. I'll, I'll think. Well, Henry
1: was Henry was second round. Um, was he? We're talking, yeah, Derek Henry, second round. Oh wow, Heisman Trophy winner slipped. Um, point being that I'm making here is you draft you you invest a high value asset in a running back. You better damn use them 25 times a game. Right. Look at the yeah. outrage we have about B. John Robinson this season. And the narrative is in, in the NFL that running backs just shouldn't be paid because they're not reliable and they're not consistent and they get hurt and they're not there isn't a heavy volume share for them. It's all bullshit. Because we're just not giving the right players the volume share. Derrick Henry didn't have a problem with it right? Sure, there are some injuries. Christian McCaffrey, as you said, right system. Hasn't had a problem with it. Sure, when he was the only player on the field that had any skill, there were injuries. It's because he was getting tackled by 12 men. The fans were that 12th. Um, <laughs> they have jokes, of course. But I would love to see Saquon just take an absolute knife to the back to the Giants and go to Dallas. Tony Pollard's on a one-year deal. Just go to the Cowboys and just beat the Giants senseless for the next four years. Just absolutely put this fan base out of their misery, because it was disrespectful to him to pay Danny and not pay him to franchise him and have to negotiate a deal. So he signs up to training camp. And at this point, do I go to a Green? Do I go to Green Bay? Right? Do I do I sit behind Jordan Love and possibly have the same issues, or do I thrive in Green Bay as that Christian McCaffrey role? I would much rather see him in Dallas. Yeah. And I, I know the likelihood of that is slim because of the money and how it's allocated in Dallas, but that would really hurt. Or even the or even the Eagles. You know, go, go over to Philly and play behind Jalen Hurts because you know that system you're definitely going to be utilized properly. And you're going to have a high volume target like share and you have a real chance at playing that Christian McCaffrey role. But I just don't I don't see it in New York. I don't see success. I don't see us talking about Saquon Barkley as you know, a generational running back, even for one year. And McCaffrey at this point, we'll look back in 50 years and be like, yeah, you remember when Christian McCaffrey was the best running back in the league for three or four years? Because that is what we are trending towards.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the system matters a lot, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you think of, oh, where's the value at? Why aren't we getting this here? And you point at a guy like Raheem Mostert. I think he has like 17, 18 touchdowns on the year. And it's like, to your point, think of, Saquon in that system right think of some of our big name guys that are going to be here free agents this offseason I don't have the list in front of me but it's, it's extensive just like last year think of Bijan in that system with uh, Mike McDaniel and I, I think that's what these running backs need to start doing obviously if they get franchise tagged like you and I both agree the franchise tag is the most criminal rule ever right. collectively negotiated in sports history respectfully but if they can somehow get out of that tag, go find yourself the money, of course, is priority number one. You're a human at the end of the day, but go find that system where you can go and thrive, dude, because there are some teams as I'm like just kind of scrolling through the standings and looking at different areas where I'm shocked. Some guys are looking as good as they are. Obviously, Raheem Moser was one that came to mind. I'm even thinking David Montgomery in Detroit, right? Solid running back in Chicago, not terrible, thriving under a good system with a good old line. Obviously they have a different dynamic. He's not an every down back, but there's opportunity, ample opportunity on good teams out there for these guys. Um, They just need to escape this franchise tag. And I think the more we get high profile, good names into good systems, scoring touchdowns, playing, let's say what, 15 total games out of the year, Um, score 19 touchdowns, you'll start to see that monetary value go up. Well, and I think the
1: last narrative to follow here is outside of Saquon, the NFL general managers were correct. You know, we were talking about the prime elite backs, the guys that are, you know, tier A within fantasy football realms and tier A within marketability. But the GM's made a decision. You're not worth the money. We're not even looking at tier B into your C Jamal Williams had an awesome season last year, in Detroit. And when he left and they signed Montgomery, everyone said, why you, you, you had him and you let him walk for Montgomery, who at the, at that point was a tier below. And what happened to Jamal? Right. Yeah. What happened to Montgomery? Off. He rose. So I think as, as, you know, generic fans, as you know, fans and amateur talent evaluators. We aren't seeing the full picture because the data tells us that the NFL general managers are making the right decisions here. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I need to start buying into more of that, especially good organizations that are making decisions. And the Giants just have made a lot of bad decisions. And <clears throat> I think Saquon's a unique piece because Saquon was taken so highly because he has so much athletic gift to him. And similar to McCaffrey, right? They are just different. Right. Uh, Derek was in his prime as well. Derek Henry in his prime was a back I had maybe never seen, right? And all I can think of is maybe this is what Jim Brown and OJ Simpson looked like, like Bo Jackson as well. Like just a physical monster who was also faster than everyone. Um, but it's definitely going to be a number of years until we start seeing running backs valued properly. And I think it is because of the franchise cap or the franchise tag. Like you can't allow fair bargaining when you can just hold on to a guy for $12 million a year.
0: Totally. Yeah. And the one guy, the one guy that cashed out has not paid dividends on his investment. And that was Jonathan Taylor. Hey, yeah. he sat out B. He got hurt. C, he got hurt again. And it's just like, you make a good point there, Matt. Um, from the outside looking in, we're like, come on, man. But what was it? Uh, a, <laughs> I I mean, a 90, 80% hit rate on these GMs for like, look at Tony Pollard's value plummeted just one season.
1: Matt, I think all the way back to Amon Green when he left for Houston. Yeah, I was young. You were young. I didn't understand it. You know, at the time they're talking about, well, the Packers just didn't have the money. The Texans are this new franchise. They've got to bring in a weapon. They're giving Amon Green, I think it was like $8 million a year at the time lot of money for Amon Green. I think he was going into his age 29 or 30 season. Um, and I was like, oh my God, how can the Packers lose Amon Green? Well, Amon Green was terrible and he's <laughs> terrible. And you you look at a lot of the decisions that are made. Not oftentimes do you see a running back hit the free agent market and make it absolute you know whirlwind of success at his next stop. McCaffrey was traded, different story.
0: Okay, week 16, um, we've got a lot of games, just two we wanted to cover here because we're getting close to time for y'all. A um, couple lines that don't make sense, actually. I'm pivoting real quick. Make it make sense for me, Matt. Gambling advice. Not really, but just just topic for conversation. Make it make sense that the Indianapolis Colts are one-and-a-half-point underdogs going into Atlanta this week. Why?
1: Well, I mean, you've seen a string of success, um, kind of questionable success, right? Eight and six, if I am correct, with their on the season record. Is that uh, right?
0: No, there's a little dyslexia there. Six and eight for uh, Atlanta. No, no. The Colts are eight and six. Yeah,
1: yeah, Indianapolis, right? Are they really an eight and six team? That—that That's my first question, right? Like okay. what what their first year head coach, I don't even know his name. It's been said to me a million times. I'm so sorry. It makes me look like <laughs> an amateur fan. He's incredible, um, what he has done with Garner Minshew. So I think we're talking about a team that's over exceeded expectations, marred with a team that is underwhelmed, but is also fighting for a, a playoff spot still. And I know that the Buccaneers win against Green Bay was big because it does give them the advantage in the division, but it's not out of sight yet. And this head coach has to save his job like this yeah. is it this this is the game where if you lose you're out so i think a bit of desperation goes into this line they're at home um i would imagine without looking at the raw metrics that they're probably better at home this season let's see here one loss they're
0: 4 and 3 at home
1: okay so they have a, a positive 2 and 5 against the spread whatever do we know what
0: uh the colts are on the road colts are 4 and 2 on the road ooh Overall uh, and against the spread, so that one, that one, hey, you made good points. I'm just curious, just I'm shooting from the hip here, just hearing what you. Have I to would, say. st- I'm
1: saying, I'm still taking like, I'm still taking Indianapolis, but when you put those metrics into the equation, like this team the, is
0: fighting. Yeah, yeah as I say I think the job on the line is a really valid point. I also think Atlanta, in general, plays better at home. Uh, I also think they're starting. It gets trev- I think there's st- as
1: as twenty two dollars.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, I also think they're starting um who's our guy heineke i think he's getting the start this weekend too so change of quarterback change of pace i mean they just lost to the the panthers you're right there they should bounce back next one yeah i like i like heineke more than ritter yeah they both suck um next one make it make sense tampa bay is one and a half point favorites at home against jacksonville one or four o'clock eastern kick I mean, Tampa listen, seven and seven off their biggest game of the year. Jacksonville's lost at least two games in a row. Um, Baker looked
1: nice. Uh, yeah. And I would equate that more to a absolute pathetic Packers play calling from the defensive coordinator, but Jacksonville is stumbling. And I think when we look at their uh, lack of identity and their lack of a number one wide receiver, which we thought we had the answer to in Calvin Ridley and God we were, I we were wrong. There's flat well, out. Well,
0: I think you were a little bit more number I was, one than yeah. I was. I like Ridley. I still wish they would have gotten someone else. But continue. Our guys—they can't stay healthy either.
1: Yeah, they—they lack—they lack, they lack <laughs> consistent production from their skill players. It's—it's it's a problem. Um, and their defense itself is shaky as well, right? This is where taking not taking Aiden Hutchinson really affects the way that this team is operating. I am taking Tampa Bay this weekend.
0: Ooh, um, okay. if you didn't
1: even tell me if you didn't even tell me the lineup I would take Tampa by three
0: by three okay mm-hmm. I mean I I definitely I see the logic there I just think Jacksonville is a better team um say listen I'll, though, Matt I, like- I, I also like teams off of a loss when it comes to like making picks and gambling yep. and stuff but you are right I mean Tampa's playing great Baker's playing good their defense is just playing horrible yeah their defense is is why bad. I'm like I mean, if Jacksonville can just be competent on the defensive side, turn Baker over at least once you would think they win this game. You would think, is but the you're problem, right. Though. Their
1: weakness, Tampa's weakness is their secondary. It's a very young secondary. We saw that this weekend, right? And this past weekend. And what is Jacksonville's weakness right now? It's the wide receiving core. It's the consistency. Yeah. So you have the weaknesses and the strength playing against each other on both sides. And then on top of that, uh, talking to a Tampa fan, they're also playing for their jobs. Like Tampa has the lead for this division. If I am correct right now, if not, they're fighting the saints toe to toe and Fel- the Falcons are right behind him. Like Todd Bowles is not liked by his own fan base. And this would be an easy transition after the season to move on past him. They yeah. cannot afford to be losing games, even against a team like Jacksonville. Like, they have the playoffs in sight and i don't know i i'm just baker's got something man like i don't think he's a great quarterback but shit yeah. he's got the intangibles that you look for from a leader and you know I, I i'm going with baker
0: i like it i i hear you man and uh um the saints play the rams thursday night so they'll mm. know I mean, it's a must-win regardless, win or loss from the Saints, right? But you're right. They are tied, and then the Falcons are a game back of, of – Yeah, 7-7. Seven, seven. Okay. Um, the Saints okay. are terrible too. <laughs> like, I mean, that division is that just – That division is just so bad. And to Baker – Like, to your point on Baker, man, like, honestly, props, because you and I preseason – That that was probably our – Off the top of my head, I, I need to think a little deeper about what we thought preseason, but they are probably my biggest miss. Like, I thought they were uh, a 4-1 team. You know, like, maybe. yeah, I mean,
1: Baker didn't give us a lot last year to be excited about, but like, I think now that we, I think we know what he is now. He's a fringe top 15, you know, top 20 quarterback. He is a starting quarterback in the NFL Yep, that can get you to the playoffs. Um, he also probably doesn't fall in the game manager, you know, bucket we talked about earlier. I think he's kind of in the middle and that's the problem where, you know, I, I mean, I saw a couple of throws over the last two weeks, and I was like, "God damn, that's a first overall pick." And <laughs> you see some of the decisions where you're like, "Oh my goodness," or you, or you, you see his lack of physical traits that from either the size perspective or, or just poor decision making. Like, but he's fun to watch. He is fun to watch. He
0: is fun to watch. I agree with you. And like, he's he's the disrespectful connotation of a game manager, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's someone where you're like, yeah, he's just a game manager, you know, where like you're saying with that negative undertone, you know what I mean? We're like, yeah, he, the, we, they are actually making sure he doesn't lose them the game because outside of this uh, career day in green Bay, he's not necessarily winning games for any well, of the teams that he played on, even in Cleveland.
1: And I, and, but I gave it, I will give him the credit here, Matt, you know, like again, defensive coordinator, in Green Bay, made some really poor decisions with coverage calls. But Baker was taking it apart, yeah. right? He was going for Godwin for three yards, for seven yards. Godwin was you know yakking it up. And he was hitting Evans when the timing was right. Like He was making the right throws based off the right reads. And that is like solely the problems that we saw in Cleveland, where it was like, damn, he just cannot figure this out. Right. Yep. Can he, can he even see over the offensive line was a running joke for a little while. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's just, just interesting. Cause I didn't think three years ago, I would have been ever picking Baker Mayfield over Trevor Lawrence. Like that yeah. to me just seemed ridiculous. Like, and, and how the NFL changes and, and how development, you know, Lawrence, as well as Herbert, like it, it can be held back at times while Baker, a guy seemingly wrote off is here being picked this weekend.
0: Totally. Um, Banger game number one is Dallas is traveling to Miami. And before we get into this, like one thing to just, I don't know, my take from our fans perspective here, right? Like our amateur perspective is I'm giving the Eagles one more week of grace because they are still coming off of a, a pretty tough schedule and they get to play the Giants this week, right? If they look bad, I will panic against the Giants. But do not forget two things. One, Dallas is now entering that stretch the Eagles just came out of. They got pummeled, right? And two, Matt, most importantly, the Niners at one point in this season also lost three games in a row. Were they as ugly and disappointing as the Eagles? No. But just keep that in mind, right? The Eagles will now be closing out the season with a simple schedule. The Niners got tough opponents here. Dallas got tough opponents. Take a deep breath out there if you're an Eagles fan. And me in our, we'll call it on the air, national media, what we do here as a podcast, like, I want to see this weekend. Because if they can't get it together this weekend, I, yes, will be worried about them. But I think... They're finally need to let this dust settle, beat the Giants by 25, and they're good. They're 11 and a half point favorites. Going back to the Cowboys, this is the game of the week, right? We've got oh. over under set at fifth, or sorry, second best game of the week. Second best you. game of the week. Okay. Second best game of the weekend. You're right. Um, 51 and a half is the over under. Miami's only a one and a half point favorite. I wonder if that's because they haven't completely said if Tyreek's playing this weekend. That's also a massive factor. And how we're going to pick this game, but what do you want to see from both of these teams here? I don't think Miami has beaten one team over five hundred yet this season.
1: Yeah, this game means more to me for Miami than it does wow. for Dallas. Um, Dallas okay. has proven all season that they're up and they're down, and you know we won't really know what they are until the playoffs. So that's that's kind of where I've settled with them. You know, we need to see them when it matters most. We need to see Dak not crumble. And we need to see McCarthy be able to lead this team. And yeah, a tough loss last week. Nothing seemed to go right. Well, Miami could easily put up 21 points in the first quarter if Tyree Hill plays. Like, the secondary is still a weakness for Dallas. We can talk all we want about how this kid has five inter- uh, deception returns for touchdowns. Like, it's not a great coverage metric. Now, Miami needs to beat a big dog. And I still put Dallas in the big dog category, right? Totally. We have found that the 49ers are the alpha in the room, but the Eagles, the Cowboys, like they still hold reins and we need to see Miami's offense and high powered system, be able to beat a good football team. They had a cute game against the Eagles, but it wasn't enough. And this is their opportunity to kind of conquer that demon and work their way towards the playoffs. So they have some confidence because the AFC is winnable, right? Talk about that with Lamar, just as, just the same thing goes in there with Tua and Tyreek. Like it is winnable winnable. You can see yourself playing in the Super Bowl if you are the Dolphins. But in order to see that vision, you have to be at the Cowboys. You cannot lose to the Eagles and the Cowboys and really look at yourself and say we can beat the Ravens. All right? Like the Ravens are if not on a better tier, they're right there with the the Eagles and the Cowboys and I would say they are better. So This game means more to me for Miami. Um, If Dallas loses, okay, you know, you're still battling for that division, but the Eagles have a couple losses in the last few weeks. Like, you know, you still have some time to make up, but battle tested, man. Like we talked about that. The Eagles didn't do a very good job. The Niners have done a fantastic job. And now it's time for Dallas to see if they can rebound or not. But the Dolphins have to beat a good opponent.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's pretty even on who it matters for, right? Like th- there's easy, hot take headlines, win or lose for each team. The reason I lean a little bit more to Dallas, I don't I don't disagree with anything you said, which is why I feel like this is even because this is just as big of a game for the Dolphins Um, is a couple things is one, the do- the the Cowboys haven't haven't. How should I say this? All, their, all their games that they've lost have been on the road. So they haven't proven that they can go on the road and win games. And to that point, why I think that matters is that basically, bro, at the end of the day, if they lose this game, the Eagles are down, right? They keep losing games. Seeding is going to start to matter here real soon, right? And this division is up in the balance. And like I said, I'm pretty sure it's Giants, Washington, Giants for the Eagles to close out the season and Dallas here has got to go play Miami this weekend, Detroit, Um, Washington, Detroit and Washington. So the next two weeks are losable for them and they cannot let this division slip away because based on their record and we'll see how it goes this weekend, their advantage at home is very real and they need to exercise some of those demons and start thinking about that playoff spot. Whereas Miami's kind of got the division on lock.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting when you look at the importance of that buy and home field advantage. We've seen the 49ers go on the road and win. Um, We haven't seen it for Dallas per se, right? And, you know, when you ring back to Micah Parsons' comments about the equal nature of both teams, like, yeah, maybe in Dallas they're equal, but if they have to go back to San Francisco, it's a loss. What are you going to say? It's It's a a problem. Yeah, yes. it's a problem. And um, I, get, I I think you've swung me. I think this year, I think you're probably right. I think this is more important for, for Dallas. I'm taking Dallas. Um, I wow. just, from what I've seen from Miami, I'm against good opponents. I'm not impressed. Like they shred bad teams, but they just, they're not the same team against good teams. And, and maybe, I, I think maybe the Sunday changes it.
0: I like Miami. I think what you said, actually, your point about their secondary, and this is obviously, I'm saying this, you know, recording mm-hmm. Wednesday morning, but like, I think Tyreek's going to play. I think he sat out because they knew they needed him to play down this stretch. They got Baltimore coming up too. And, you know, to the seeding point too. Say Baltimore loses this weekend, Miami wins this weekend. The game next, it's either the next week or the week after Baltimore plays Miami. That game's for the one seed, right? So, A lot of seeding and playoff implications on the line, but I I personally think it matters more for Dallas. I like Miami here to get their first one on the or excuse me at home against Dallas. I wish this was the Sunday night game, um, but Tony Romo and Nance happen to uh, be selfish and take Mm -hmm. this one at one o'clock. So it is what it is. The Monday night game, the Christmas game, which actually wait, am I reading this right? Well, there's two Monday night. Oh, so that Eagles game is on at. 1.30 Monday, or sorry, whatever. One thirty Pacific time, 4.30 Eastern. And then the Ravens game is at 8.15 Eastern. Oh, that's kind of cool. got three.
1: We've got Vegas, Kansas City at time. Oh, m. that's
0: on Monday, too. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, that Christmas game's going to be... is full of football. I mean, that game's going to be... God, the NBA's got to be pissed. Ooh. Oh, my God, does the NBA have Because be it's
1: always been their thing, right? Gosh, that's
0: disrespectful. They threw three games on there. I mean, At least you two think, of them are trash.
1: But you got to think last year, Christmas fell on a Sunday.
0: On Sunday, right. right? So that's, I mean, what are you going to do? NBA wow. will be back next year. I mean, I'll still probably watch the Bucks game over, uh, depending, I don't know what time they play. I'll watch them over that Kansas City-Vegas, that's for sure. Probably Giants-Eagles too. Anyways, game of the day. This is the game of the day. Baltimore-San Francisco. Uh, San Fran, five and a half point favorites. I like that line. I, if you're new to the pod, you know I love the Ravens. It's my fiancé's team. Love them. I'm nervous. I'm nervous to see how that defense holds up against Purdy and the boys. And I'm equally as nervous to see how the weapons fare in Santa Clara against this Niners team. Now, it's been wet out here in California. I don't know if it's going to be wet on Sunday, Monday, excuse me. If it is, that pushes the advantage a little bit towards the Ravens. But I like San Francisco this weekend. Um, I think even if Lamar loses this game and doesn't lose the game for Baltimore, he can still go above the MVP ranks for Brock Purdy uh, against Brock Purdy for me. Um, A ton on the line this weekend.
1: Yeah, he needs to attack that third level. Like if
0: I'm if I'm
1: play scheming for this game, and I understand that the, the pass rush is going to be extremely heavy from the 49ers, you know, very talented front. I'm looking deep very often in this game. I'm t- attacking the one weakness this 49ers defense has, and just I'm sending the boys down the field because they're not going to win first level. They're not going to win second level. That's just that's the reality. You know, then do we really trust Lamar to execute a game managing system game? No, right? Methodically, yeah. He's not going to be able to do that. Like, that's not who he is. That's not what makes him an MVP. He's not Brock Purdy. Now, on the flip side of that, I think this is going to be one of the first real tests for Brock Purdy as the MVP candidate. This might be the best defense he's played all season, right? Um, Browns looks like Browns was probably the best team lost that game. So I'm looking, just looking at the schedules, you know, it was Browns. This will be the second best defense he's played all season, uh, shredded Pittsburgh first week. But I think we've now come to realize that Pittsburgh's defense has some holes in it. If not many holes, um, this could be a really foreshadowing opportunity for the Ravens to really lean on what that strength is in that defense, in those linebackers. Really hold McCaffrey uh, at bay, but the weapons he has are just ridiculous. Having Debo, having Ayuk, having Kittle, like I'm taking the Niners too, but I'm I'm nervous for Brock. I'm nervous that this could be a really poor turnout.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's I think the challenge for Baltimore and every defense, and I agree with you. Baltimore is a great defense, and they they may be one of the only teams in the NFL to make the Niners as in quotes one dimensional as possible, yep. right? I don't think that's completely possible because you can still run McCaffrey out of the backfield and he can run every route on the route tree, but if they can get them into second third and long, make the Niners a little bit more, you know, one dimensional and, you know, show their hand like yeah, we're going to have to pass, go to the stick, so on, I think they have a shot. Um The Ravens are going to need Kyle Hamilton to be to be healthy. And I don't know. It's going to be tough on that defense. They've been kind of slipping lately. And obviously, as we know, the Niners are firing on all cylinders. So they're super favorites,
1: right? Like this is the hardest thing. This is the best football team in the NFL. Like, yeah, you know, strip it all away. The, The 49ers are a tier above everyone else. And. Like, can Lamar come out and show that, you know, you can win games without being the system quarterback? Can he be the MVP? Is the question, right? Like if he comes out and plays like an MVP, they win the game, probably. But the crazy thing is he could have an MVP game and they could still lose. That's how good the Niners are.
0: Yeah, I think I think the key to success for the Ravens is do everything in your power to stop the run game and just force Purdy to beat you. And if he does, he does. It's kind of what the Eagles did. And he threw for like 400 yards and yeah. four touchdowns and look, Hey, chalk it up to the game, right? Like at least you didn't have CMC run for 200 on you. Like the Cardinals just did this past weekend. So um, it'll be the game of the week. Any last thoughts? We're definitely over time today.
1: No, man. I, you know, we're, it's crazy as we're wrapping up for, for football season, you know, we're, yeah we're getting down and uh, I, I, th- I think this will be a massively disappointing season if the Niners don't win because I agree. Nobody else is really giving me like worthy vibes at this point.
0: I agree. I agree. And this is actually my favorite time of the year. Like this is it, you know? Like the Cowboys-Miami is a perfect example, bro. Like both teams have so much on the line. You're we're grasping at straws who it matters for more. It matters for both of them. That's why yeah. it's a great game. So, all right guys, we'll see you next week. You find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Pitcher Bet Pod. Later.